as we've been talking before, we are still continuing to talk about that God's love never quits. So um, real fast, let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, Media, this is a verse that I did not give you, so I apologize for that. So this is 1 John 3, 1 in the Amplified Bible. It says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given or shown or bestowed upon us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. That we have been called and counted as the children of God. This great love that he has bestowed upon us, um, not so much that um, he wanted to prove something, which ultimately he did, but ultimately so that he could just call us children. He said, I love you so much that I just want to call you one of my kids. Wow. You know, I, I love my children. I, I love the fact that I'm a father. I, I love it. You know, so I can only imagine the love that God has for us when he sees us um, and being able to call us his family. You know, so I think we've been framing this entire, you know, however many weeks we've been, we've been talking um, from the very beginning up until now, just about how God loves us and how he wants us to love and how he wants us to, to really to, to put forth God's love in the earth here. So we'll start where we finished last week. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 um, in the Message Bible says, For this is the original message that we heard, that we should love each other. And verse 16 and 17 is, is, this is how we've come to understand and experience love, that Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. That's heavy. And I don't want any of us to be caught in that position where it's like, well, we made God's love disappear. And now we know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, but how is it that we're making God's love disappear? It's because we're turning a cold shoulder to it. So his love is still around you, but we're just not being receptive to it. He said, so what I need you to do, Dave, is understand that there's not a single circumstance or situation where you need to be turning away from my love for you. He said, but you do it all the time. I'm like, well, I don't really want to do that. He's like, well, let's make sure that you understand why this love is so important for you and why this has to be um, a, a major part of your life. Now, we've jumped around in 1 John chapter 3 a little bit here, but let's take a step back, if you will. Let's look at verse 14. It says, the way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. Hmm. Hmm. So when we read verse 16, 17, when we get down to verse 18, we have a significant, it should have a significant impact in your life. It should, when it's framed in this context here, that if you don't love, you're dead. You're a dead man walking if you are not loving the way God has instructed us to love. I don't want to be dead, inside or out. I want to experience all that God has for me. Said, so, David, we have to get to this point here that um, we are starting to experience and practice real love. So verse 18, and I want to read 1 John 3 and 18 in the Amplified Bible. It says, little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth. 
in practice and in sincerity. By this we shall come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we are of the truth and can reassure, quiet and conciliate and pacify our hearts in his presence. Verse 18 talks about to not just love in theory, but in actual deed, being truthful and sincere in the way that we love. So we can't afford lip service anymore. We actually need service. We actually have to love. If you read this in the Message Bible, it talks about why to practice real love. And so far, I think that the reason that we don't receive all that God has for us is because we are not practicing real love. Now, we'll read a little bit further on it. It talks about the purpose of real love means that you can live a free life, free from fear, free from doubt, free from circumstance, situations. And if you're in that point where you can live a free life, then you can receive all that God has. So let's continue to read here. So we read verse 19 that we'll perceive and recognize and understand and that we'll calm our hearts in his presence. And verse 20 says that whenever our hearts and tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us, said, but for we're in God's hands, for he is above and greater than our conscience, our hearts, and he knows, perceives, and understands everything, and nothing is hidden from him. And beloved, if our hearts do not accuse us, if you do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, then we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. Now, why would you ever have your heart flutter or be... Um, not on firm standing, standing before God. Like, why would your heart be, oh my God, it's God. Now, I can talk about myself as a child. Now, if I knew that I had done something wrong, and my mother said, just wait until your dad gets home, and I'd have to have a conversation, then I would stand before my father, and my heart would be, oh Lord, oh Lord, because I knew that I had done something wrong. He said, but the relationship that we as believers need to have with God is not that, oh, please don't punish me. It's like, you know what, Lord, I'm standing here with reassurance and boldness because you actually hold my heart in your hand. Yeah. So I can be confident when I stand in front of you. And as we continue to read, it talks about exercising your faith as a result of you knowing God's love for yourself. Yeah. Hmm. Verse 22 says, and we receive from him whatever we ask because we watchfully obey his orders. Observe his suggestions, his injunctions, follow his plan for us, and habitually practice what is pleasing to him. We habitually practice what is pleasing to him. Verse 23 says, and this is his order, his command, his injunction, that we should believe in, put our faith and trust in, and adhere to, and rely on the name of his son, Jesus Christ the Messiah, and that we should love one another just as he has commanded us. And all who keep his commandments, obey his orders, follow his plans, live and continue to live and stay and abide in him and he in them. They let Christ be at home to them and they are the home of Christ. And by this we know and understand and have proof that he really lives and makes his home in us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now that's a lot to say. But if we practice real love, and if we habitually practice what is pleasing to him, then he will make his home in our hearts. So, well, what pleases you? 
Lord, is it, is it me coming to church on Sunday? Is it me saying my confessions a hundred times? Is it me being pious? Is it me acting like I love people? Like, Lord, what, what, really, what really pleases you? Like, we have to figure that out because we've been doing all of those things up to this point thinking that we are pleasing God and we really aren't. So, hmm. I'm like, well, Lord, I do all of these things. He's like, no, you don't. Clearly you don't. Because then you'd be able to stand before me with boldness. So then you'd be able to stand and ask anything that you will, and I would also grant it to you. I mean, it says it right there in 22. It says you will receive whatever we ask of him. So, so our love walk, or our lack of love, is constricting how we receive from God. You don't believe me? Let me show you. So, real fast, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And, it's, and this is the Amplified. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please and to be satisfactory to him. So we ask, well, well Lord, how, how do I please you? Well, use your faith. Your faith will make me happy. Using your faith, standing in front of me boldly, understanding my love for you, your love for me. For whoever will come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Now, we read earlier that when we seek him out, when we actually seek out God, we're seeking more of his love. When we seek out God, we're experiencing all that he has for us. When we seek God, we're seeking his love, his face, everything that he has to offer. It's like, so what I need you to do, I will reward those who seek out my love. I will reward those who exercise my love. So when we talk about, Lord, what pleases you, Loving pleases me. Using your faith in an effective manner pleases me. In its truest and sincere form, Dave, meaning loving people the way that I commanded you to love. So, like, okay. So when we think about this, when you read 1 John 3, 18 through 24, now, you're reading it differently because when he's talking about love, he's talking about faith. Yeah. And when he's talking about faith, he's talking about love because they're now both interchangeable. In All fact, right. your faith can't work without love, love right? Right. right? And your love is ineffective without faith. So when we ask God, Lord, you know, I'm standing and believing by faith. I'm calling all of these things into my life. By faith I receive. I'm receiving my healing, all of this. You know, when we talk about that, it's already being done. Yes, it's already been done for you. He has provided every single thing that you'll ever need. But the reason why we can't access everything that God has already provided for us is because we don't access it through love because that's the only way you get it. Now... I don't, I didn't want to believe it when he told me that because I'm still wrestling with loving people. Now, you all may have won this battle, but uh, I'm still fighting a good fight. So as we said, love and faith are linked together. The easiest way for your faith to become derailed is for your love to be knocked off his axis. So, think about this for a second. The enemy knows that God has done all of these wonderful things for you. 
He's set in heaven and, and earth in motion. He, he's worked out your plan of prosperity for your life. He knows all of this. He knows that you know that God has done all these things for you. He knows that for you to access all of the wonderful things that God has for you, he has to attack your faith. Because so, if I can get you not to believe, then I got you on. So, but the easiest way to do that is to attack your love. And let me explain this, why this works. So if I can get you to a point where you have an odd against me and you're upset with me, I may not be upset with you, but you're upset with me for whatever reason. And now that sort of little piece of yeast is now going to spoil your entire loaf. Said so you're upset with me, and all you can think about now is you being upset with me, which means that you're focusing on yourself, which means that no matter how you pray, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, it's still going to be blocked by the fact that you still have an ought against me for whatever reason. So that now makes the faith that you're trying to stand on ineffective because it's not being energized or fueled by anything because faith is only energized or activated by your love. So if your love is no longer connected, then your faith is no longer connected, which means you can't receive from God. All because we decided that it was more important for me to be upset with you. So, so Dave, you may want to receive all of these things from God, but until you understand what true love really means, then you're not going to be able to receive a single thing. Because we've been trying to utilize faith apart from love and you can't do it. The Amplified Bible literally says that your faith is made active or energized by love. Wow. You know, the King James says, but faith which worketh by love. The Amplified says, only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love is effective. The Good News Bible says, what matters is faith that works through love. So nothing else matters unless it's faith that works through love. Nothing else matters at all. Nothing. So no matter what you've been doing up to this point, it's not going to work for you. Because if your faith isn't energized by your love for God and your love for people, then it's not going to work. So that's what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, knowing in part and receiving in part and hearing in part, because we're trying to do just bits and pieces. But love is a two-pronged process like we had already talked about before. So yeah, we can talk about, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. I, you know, I, I come to church. I'm obedient. I do all these things, and I love you. So, but yeah, but the other part about loving other people, yeah. you're missing. So your faith is only being energized at half capacity. You're walking around on a battery that's slowly dying. I mean, has anybody ever had their car not start? Or, I mean, I, I had a car <laughs> would drive, 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 and if I went, if I stopped at a stoplight, it would just shut off, like, instantly. And I had to, come on, come on. And so many times, our life as believers, we're experiencing that sort of herky-jerky motion because we'll, we'll, we'll love, we'll love, we'll love, we'll love, and then, oh, it falls apart because we're allowing the enemy to knock, knock us off of our axis so that we can't receive from God now. Because your love puts you in perfect alignment to receive everything that God has for you. Wow. Understand that. Without it, it all falls apart. 
So it's a lot to think about. And, you know, you may ask, well, well why, why is love so important? Like why, like, why do I really need it? Well, when God decided to bring you all back into the family, he needed an action that would stand the test of time. He needed something that, that couldn't be broken, that no one could trump, that no one could supersede, that nothing else could stand against. He's like, well, what can I, what can I do? He's like, I, I need to make a covenant here to bring my children back into the family. Yeah. So God's love is really just the fruition of his covenant of love for us. And to make a covenant, what has to happen? There, there has to be some shedding of blood. So God's love for you is literally a covenant of love for you, a promise to you that is signed in Jesus' blood. God's love for you is ratified in his son's own blood. So it will never fade. It will never fail. It will never quit. And there's nothing that can beat it ever. Said so, this is how important it is. God's love for you was so important that he literally took his son's own blood and ratified a covenant between himself and you to make sure that he could bring you back into the family. But we don't treat it that way. We don't treat it as something that's sacred. We don't treat it as something that's important. Like, I just don't understand. Let's go to Galatians 5 real fast. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I'm going to read this in the Message Bible. It says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. And never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Now, I asked, like, what, what do you mean? like I've caused you to, I, I've done all of these things so that you can live a free life. So you can be free from destruction, that you can be free from debt, that you can be free from sickness, that you can be free from any sort of tactic that the enemy may try to come and, and attack you with. So then it's all fueled by God's love for you, hence the reason why he sent me down here. So, so if you understand that, you can take a stand and live a free life, knowing that, hey, you know what, God, like we talked about before, my heart is in your hand. I'm rested, I'm assured, my, I've quieted my heart because you have my best interest in mind, yeah. that you're going to take care of me. He's like, so why would you, why would you ever, ever willingly pick up that yoke of slavery, that yoke of unforgiveness, that yoke of unrelenting, you know, sickness, that, that yoke of just being completely miserable? Why would you put that back on yourself when I've caused you to live a free life? The Bible talks about not being a beast of burden. He says, every time that you don't love, you literally are locking yourself back into slavery when I have caused you to live a free life. Now, slaves, as we all know, the only reward that a slave would receive is a lash from his master. That's the only reward that a slave would ever get. It was never going to be a good job, an attaboy. It was work harder, work faster, and you are a slave to whatever I tell you. So if you think about unforgiveness in that same sense and fashion, the moment that you decide not to forgive someone else or the moment that you decide not to walk in love, you are willingly beating yourself with a lash that will tear your soul apart. And it's a self-inflicted wound. All the while praying for God to give you your reward and all he's telling you to do is throw off the yoke off your neck so that I can give you all that I have for you. 
So, so that's the reason why it's so important. He's like, you can't, you can't just use this as happenstance. It says, I'm emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision, and when we talk about this, we're talking about you know, the law and moving away from the law. But I read this as circumstance. The moment that you submit to circumstance or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumstances trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of those circumstances or of that law. Think about that for a minute. Every single time that a situation comes and we yield to that situation, we're making Christ's gift of no effect. Every single time a situation comes that we could smooth over with love and we decide not to, we're making Christ's sacrifice of no effect. We are basically telling God that the covenant that he has forged in his son's blood for us is, doesn't mean anything. Why would we do that? You know, verse 6 says, expect that you would never intend to do this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with that spirit. For in Christ, neither of us, conscious religion or disregard of religion, amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. He said, you can forget about every single thing that you may know. The only thing that matters here is your faith being expressed in love. It is the only thing that matters is your love for God and your love for other people is the only thing that matters from this point forward. It is the only thing that matters from this point forward. Because once you understand God's love for you, then you can stand boldly and ask him for anything. When you understand God's love for you, then you don't shirk your duty. When you understand God's love for you, then circumstances can't rule over you any longer. When you understand God's love for you, you are no longer slave, but you are a free man. When you understand God's love for you. And if you truly understand God's love for you, then you have no choice but to love other people as well. Now, you're not going to hoop and holler, but it's going to save your life. Verse 7 and 10, it says, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? This detour doesn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. And please don't toss this off as insignificant. You can't let your love life be tossed off as insignificant. It only takes a minute amount of yeast, you know, to permeate an entire loaf of bread. Deep down, the master has given me confidence that you will not defect. I said, I'm still believing in you, no matter what. But the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, he will bear divine judgment. So when you think about this, like think about it in terms of, is it worth it for me to be in a position where I'm angry with someone else? If God says, hey, they'll bear this divine judgment, all I need you to do is get back into the race. So keep on loving and get back into the race so that I can give you every single thing that I've promised you. Keep on loving so that you can access every single thing that I have already laid out for you. Keep on loving so that you can receive 
Every single promise in this Bible is for you because it's yes and amen. Keep on doing that so that the way of love becomes second nature to you in your life. Verse 13 says, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your own freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. God's word is summed up in a single sentence. He said, the whole Bible is summed up right here. Love others as you would love yourself. That's a true act of freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out, and in no time you all be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? When you read this in the Amplified Bible, it talks about you destroying your own fellowship because you annihilate each other with your cattiness, with your backbiting. It says you ravage each other. That's a, that's, that's a terrible description of how this will cause you to, to really tear each other asunder. Because ultimately, this is the reason why the enemy preys upon your feelings, your emotions, and tries to get you out of your love walk. Because hatred will cause you to do terrible things. All in the name of being right. Well, I was right. I was justified in breaking your face because I was right. I said, I need you not to even experience that anymore because I need you to live a life of freedom. See, because once you feed into hatred, once you feed into unforgiveness, once you feed into not walking in love, you continually have to feed that beast. You have to, and it takes energy. It takes energy that you shouldn't be devoting to hating someone else when you should be actually loving that person. So now you've become a slave to your own self-interest. It says, I want you to not act selfish any longer. The whole point of what we've been talking about is actually to get yourself out of your own way so that you can see other people, so that God can actually bless you. That is the entire point of what we've been talking about. It's the cliff note version. Like you said here, here's God's whole experience summed up in a single source. Love me and love other people because it's the only thing that you, I need you to do. said, so if you do this, then Matthew 6 comes into play where all of these things will be added unto you. If you continue to read down through Galatians, it talks about all of the great things that the Spirit wants to give to you yeah. if you would just love. Yeah. If you would just love, I will give you peace, I'll give you joy, I'll give you all of these things, I'll give you long-suffering, I will give you everything that you desire if you just love. He is begging and pleading for you to stop tearing each other apart so he can actually do good work here in this earth. When you are free to live and free to love and being led by the Spirit, then you no longer feed your compulsion to be selfish. I like that. I like that a lot. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all of the time. See, because if you're walking in love, then you seek not your way first, but someone else's way. But it's obvious when you try to do this on your own. Repetitive, loveless, this is interesting. 
in verse 19 in the Message Bible says, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of the community. I could go on and on and on. This isn't the first time that I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of the community. The, the thing that really got me was cutthroat competition. All-consuming, yet never satisfied once. Having a brutal temper. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. And the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Said, this is what happens when you try to seek your own way of doing as opposed to letting the life of love lead you through this life that God has called for you. Because when you see everyone as a rival, then that means you have to destroy them. When I don't see you as an equal, when I can demoralize you, when I can be aggressive against you, then that's a terrible position to live your life in. He's like, and this is what's going to happen to you if you continue to go through your life without seeking love first. Where the first things we do is cut someone to shreds with our tongue even when we don't know them. Even when we don't know them. Or to be hypercritical about everything. I see the time, sir. He said, I'm trying to save you from this life. He said, because this life will lead you to despair. This life, it, said, it says that at the end, he said, you will not inherit anything from God. This struck a chord with me because this was, this was an accurate portrait of me. Now, I'm not going to talk about you. I could, but I'm not going to. I'm not talking about me. Cutthroat competition. An all-consuming but never satisfying need. Because you're searching for something that you can never grasp a hold of because you refuse to love. So you will lead a life of bondage and never ever receiving what God has for you because we are locked into this lopsided, small-minded pursuit. So because what you think you can do on your own, you think that your way is going to work, you think that not loving people or being just completely miserable or completely vindictive or any of those things is going to get you to a place of prominence, it's not going to. What it does, it minimalizes you into a smaller position when God has something much more grand for you. Yes. Said, so I need you to understand this love thing first because I need you to be bigger than what you are right now. I need you to understand love because I'm trying to expand your borders. I need you to understand love because I need you to be a great testimony to people who may never step foot into this building. I need you to love because I need you to be that beacon of light that I'm calling you to be. I need you to love so that you can receive all that I sent my son down here to die for you so that you can receive. That's why I need you to love. That's why it's important.
said, because the small pursuits that you have really don't mean anything. So because all that matters is your faith being activated by love. All that matters is my love for you, Dave. All that matters is my love for you, for you, for you, for you. That's all that matters. Understand that. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, to stick to something a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that at a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, this is verse 25, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. This means that we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one were better and another worse, for we have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. God's love for you makes you an original. So I think the reason why it's so difficult to love and to love other people is that we are constantly comparing ourselves to someone else. Or look what they have and look what I don't have. And it's a constant comparison. He said, in, in the actuality, I don't need you to do any of that. What I need you to do is understand that I've made you to be unique and you are an original. And the way that I have blessed you, I'll bless that person and that person and that person. said, and my love for you isn't contingent upon all of these other people. My love for you is contingent upon my love for you. That's, right. That's it. So, so when you start to see that there is no competition here, then you're free to love. And if you're free to love, then you're, you'll be free to live. And if you're free to live, then you can be free to draw more people in. And if you're free to draw more people in, that means more people can be blessed because of what you have done. So when we talk about being a distribution center, this is what we are talking about. Distribute God's love. Because when we distribute God's love then we're doing things that are pleasing to him. Right. Understand? So when you get a minute, read through all of Galatians 5. Please. Because uh, initially, you know, initially I'm like, I, I'm, I, I could read all 26 verses to you, but you'd fall out of your chair more than you want to right now. But I'm telling you, you know, when you get a minute, just read through it. Because it, um, it's a gut punch when you think about you as a believer. Like, okay, what, what am I supposed to be doing? It's like, well, look, here, here are all the things. You know, and it, this has been a challenge for me to not be hypercritical. Because trust me, I, I can pick apart anything pretty good, too, and enjoy doing it. And I was like, well, you got to stop that. So because if you continue on that path, I said, you're not going to receive anything from me. I said, dear God. Oh, Lord, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, we need true love. He says, not just an idea that floats in the periphery, but something that's actually tangible and that the implications of me loving you and you loving other people permeate every single area of your life. Stand to your feet.
So as we continue through our, our day to day, and day after and the day after, Galatians 5 and 16 says, My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feel the need or the compulsion to be selfish. It says you should, be, you should choose to be led by the Spirit. Choose to be led by the Spirit. So, well, Lord, okay. Because for me to love people, I'm going to have to be led by you. Because naturally, I can't do it on my own. Naturally, none of us can. But with God, we certainly can. All things are possible. And I think ultimately what he wants for you is to receive all that he has for you. Not so much that we have to beg, barter, and steal to get it. Not so much that we have to plead. He said, but live a life of freedom where you can freely stand before God and ask him for these things, and he freely gives. That's what he said. He said, I'll, he said, whatever you ask me, I'll give to you. Because you've decided to love the right way. I mean, you didn't have to, you, you didn't need 15 steps, you didn't need keys, you didn't need any of that stuff. He said, none of that matters right now. What matters is love me the way I need you to love me. Understand my love for you and love other people. He said, if you do these things, I guarantee you your life will change. I guarantee you that your life will change. Heavenly Father, we stand here today giving you praise, giving you glory, and the honor. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your covenant of love that was cut in Jesus' own blood that was shed for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this word that we have heard today, Lord. We promise, we make a solemn promise to you today to continue to walk in love. Not a fake, phony love, but Lord, a sincere and true love. Rooted in our hearts, rooted and grounded in your word so that our faith can be energized by our love for you and our love for other people. Lord, we thank you for how this is becoming alive and active in our lives today. Lord, we ask that your love permeates every area of our life. Lord, forgive us for any time where we turned a cold shoulder to you and did not appreciate the sacrifice that you've made for us and that we turned away from your love. Forgive us, Lord, because we want to receive all that you have for us, every single thing. We want that free access to stand boldly in front of you and to receive all the provision that you have for us today. Lord, we thank you so very much for giving us one more chance to make it right, and we will continue to stay in our love walk, loving you and loving other people first, because Lord, we know that that's what matters to you and what pleases you. Lord, we thank you for it. We call it all done, and in Jesus' name and through his blood, we say amen, 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 amen. and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.